0: this place is special get asked all the time where's your favorite place to take college game day and i say every time eugene oregon this is the best crowd honestly it's six in the morning here yeah it's dark it's raining they don't care these fans right here pound for pound are as good as any college football fans in the country this program is staged to compete and to win championships oregon is going to When this has become... When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns it! Touchdown, Oregon! Been making deposits. Time to cash a check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an- Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the QB11 show, presented by Scoop Duck. I am Doug Scott, and I'm joined by QB11, Andrew. Good evening, sir. Good evening, doc How are you doing? I'm great. Um, it was great. We, we Lisa from Twitter. She's an attorney. We put out a, a special episode of the QB11 Show yesterday, kind of touching on the the Pac-12 versus Pac-2 uh, lawsuit, which uh, we actually have some updates on since that that was recorded. Um, just real quick catch up there. The uh, the judge in uh, Colfax, Washington, which is out outside of. Spokane ordered on Tuesday that the they he ordered a preliminary injunction, which was granted. Oregon State and Washington State their status as the sole members of the of the board of directors for the conference, and then uh, that order was immediately appealed to the Washington State Supreme Court by the University of Washington, and the Supreme Court has issued a stay, which means the the ruling has been put on further hold. Um, It sounds like at least for a few weeks, if not like a month or more while they decide whether they're going to take the case and then ultimately get um, get the various petitions and responses from the parties. So basically, that means status quo continues. Nobody has control of the board. The board can't meet. They can only make actions by unanimous consent of all 12 schools. It sounds like this will be locked up in the Washington State Supreme Court at least until December 8th or even longer, which is important because that's four dead, at least four days past the transfer portal deadline. And um, so no one will be able to spend any money or make any promises with uh, that money in the meantime. And then uh, there was also reports out today that the two schools are close, potentially close to having a deal to do a, a scheduling alliance with the Mountain West Conference or some other sort of uh, schedule for 2024. So there's a lot more to come in that saga. If you haven't listened to that episode and you're interested in, in it and hearing from an attorney on kind of all the ins and outs and legalese of the case, it was really fun to go back and listen to that. But QB and I are here to talk football. So we got another week ahead of us. We're in week 12, the home stretch of the season. Only one more week to go after this one. And uh, I, I'm getting I'm getting excited, but also kind of sad You know that I don't want to even think about that. I'm just getting excited because we're in the home stretch.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're like in the meat of the schedule. We're past the meat of the schedule now. Really, it's the dessert, right? Like we're, uh, we have the ASU game this weekend, and then you play your two biggest rivals. I mean, assuming that you went out, you play your biggest rivals back to back, with one of them being for not only the Pac 12 title, but for a college football playoff spot and likely the Heisman Trophy. So um, it, it's, it's down to business now. And, I I can't say that I've ever felt better about an Oregon football team going into the the final stretch of a season from the standpoint of just like how well the team is playing, um, how well coached they are, how much talent there is. And and frankly, I think that this is a fairly healthy team, knock on wood. So uh, I'm I'm really excited for this home stretch. Uh, There's a lot of good football to be played here. Um, And if things go well for Oregon, there's quite a few more games left on the schedule.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, this week they're going down to the desert to take on Kenny Dillingham, the former offensive coordinator. He's head coach of Arizona State down there. And, and obviously, Arizona State has not had a, a super successful winning season. But they've also uh, – I mean, it, he won't win coach of the year in the Pac-12, but he has a pretty good case for it in my mind because it, it's – you know, to, to be three and seven – with the hand that he was dealt, you know, with with the sanctions that were imposed by the the school 4 days before the first game, uh, his roster, you know, situation, the the injury situation that's befall his roster particularly at the quarterback and offensive line position throughout the year and the fact that that he's he's had that team really competing hard and being competitive in most games uh, you know, just going back, I mean, they beat UCLA last week 17-7. Obviously the week before they got they got run off the field at Utah, but before that they beat Washington State. They they lost to Washington 15-7 at Washington. Uh they they lost to Colorado 27-24. They lost to Cal 24-21. Uh they were competitive against USC. They lost 42-28 in that one. Uh, you know, they have been a, an extremely competitive football season uh team throughout the entire Pac-12 schedule outside of one game. And that that is freaking amazing considering what they have to work with.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of really good coaching jobs this year. I think he's done a fantastic job. Obviously, Kellen DeBoer and Dan, and Dan Lanning, uh, Jed Fish. I think the state of Arizona is probably two of the more impressive coaching jobs in the country when you consider coming into the season what expectations were um, and, and kind of how things have played out. I mean, Jaden Delora gets hurt and Arizona gets better. Um, Kenny Dillingham yeah. deals with so many injuries that I we really can't even begin to count them, uh, and he has a team that's still fighting and clawing just, despite uh, not being able to play in a bowl game before this even season even started. So uh, I, I'm I'm think that both Fish and and Dillingham should be unbelievably proud of the job that they've put forward this year, the teams that they're fielding, and the pride that those guys are playing with. I mean, I I don't think there's. I can't
0: remember the last time the, the head coaching quality in this conference from top to bottom is as good as it is right now, which is kind of weird because it's the last season, right? But yeah, both of those schools you talked about, obviously you've got Jonathan Smith, you've got Kyle Whittingham, you've got Arizona, you know, Washington, Oregon's head coaches, um, you know there's flaws of course, but you know, like what Lincoln Riley's, you know, still doing a, a pretty good job at USC. Right. I mean, uh, you take the Bay area of the school. Well, I'd even say trailer, uh, you know, the new co- or Taylor, the new coach at Stanford has done a pretty decent job
1: this year as well. I think he's done I a really good job. You, I think him and if, if you think, want to talk, him, yeah, go ahead. I think he and Kenny Dillingham have done kind of similar jobs, right? Like Taylor inherited the least talented roster in the, in the country. Um, and he, also inherited a situation where you can't take portal guys so he's just had to play with it and has it been pretty at all all, at all times No, they've gotten blown out a couple times but they've also been really competitive against teams they had no business being competitive with so i think i think he's done a really really good job as well And, and despite the fact that the wheels have fallen off at washington state i still think that jake dickert's a pretty damn good coach I'd really argue
0: that it, it, I, I was going to argue Dicker, but if you take him out of it, I'd really only argue there's been two coaches that have disappointed this year or haven't done a good job this year. It's Chip Kelly at at UCLA and Justin Wilcox at Cal.
1: Yeah, and like in a, in a conference as strong as this one, like people have to lose games, and so um, there's going to be some good coaches and some some like feisty teams that take l's because there's only so many wins to go around. You could make an argument for. At least half the
0: coaches a credible argument for them to be coach of the year in the conference, right? Obviously, you mentioned landing a DeBoer at the top. You can make the argument for Jonathan Smith, particularly depending on what happens the next two weeks. If he if he splits those games, then he's got an argument. If he loses both, probably not. Kyle Whittingham, right? What he's been doing this year with with all of the injuries Utah has, like he's always a candidate. And then you've got the Arizona coach, both the Arizona coaches we just mentioned, Taylor. um, you know, it, it, it's really, it's really been a good, a good job, but we're talking about Arizona state. So there are three and seven on the year. Um, overall, they, uh, what is their quarter? like? What is their quarterback situation right now? I, I don't, they've had six different people throw a pass for them this year. They're not, they're not all quarterbacks. <laughs> they have had four different quarterbacks throw
1: a pass for them this year. And then uh, two other players as well. What's going on there? Well, Trenton is going to be the starter this week, it looks like. Uh, based on their own depth chart that they put out on a weekly basis, uh, Borgay is listed as the starter, Conover the backup, and then both Rashada and Pine are, are listed as injured. So they'll be unavailable in this game. Uh, and, Let's and, talk about that for a second. Because yeah.
0: there was a report earlier in the week that Rashada was – practicing and might be ready to go this weekend and then you know kenny came out and said no no he's not going to play and they're but is this gamesmanship are they are they going to secretly like roll him out there ready to go
1: uh i doubt it i don't think that's particularly smart i think kenny knows it's not smart okay you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you, have to ask right a true freshman coming off of a pretty significant injury and you're going to roll him out there with a super banged up offensive line against the best front you play all year. Yeah, no, I I'm not
0: saying it's smart. I just like it, you know, I'm, it's probably just the like gamesmanship, you know, thinking, right? Cuz you see that kind of stuff happen all the time and these coaches are always so secretive and about stuff like that, so. No, 100%. Um
1: so so you take a Sporgay and he's been banged up quite a bit this year too, right? Yeah, he's been he's been dealing with some injuries. Um, he looked pretty healthy to me last week. Uh, the, he got just the piss beat out of him against Utah. I mean, Arizona State did in general, um, but right. I think that Borg – I don't really know that Rashada. Even let's say Rashada was one hundred percent healthy. Let's say he had multiple weeks of practice under his belt and he hadn't been hurt. I don't know that Rashada actually gives them a better chance in this game because I think Borgay is shown both on the road and at home to have quite a bit of poise i mean he's not the most physically gifted guy by a by a stretch but he's he's just one of those guys that that plays within the system and executes at a pretty high level and it's it doesn't seem to really matter who you're playing with him it seems like you get the same guy for the most part all the time whereas i think that the variance for someone like rashada playing against a, a defense the quality of organs uh could be quite a bit wider and more unpredictable for for the sun devils
0: Yeah, I mean, Arizona has only thrown – or, sorry, Arizona State has only thrown seven touchdown passes the entire year. Uh, Borgay has one. Rashada had three early in the year before he got hurt. Uh, Their offense has just been extremely limited in in what they can do. I think, obviously, the offensive lines, a lot of that, the the quarterback rotations, a lot of that, too. Um, You know, they've been a pretty low-scoring team, especially through the conference play, and what you've seen them really try to rely on is – is their defense what you know which again held washington to 15 points and actually you know only only seven of that was you know washington had to pick six so they really held washington to not a single touchdown in that game and uh and then they held UC, ucla to only seven last week so you know offensively they seem to be just trying to like let's slow the game way down let's do some some swinging gate act you know i think they had a bunch of swinging gate action last week and some trickery and some you know they're doing a lot of like wildcat and and like kind of emptying every bag of trick you could imagine to try to just manufacture offense it's been it's been kind of interesting to watch
1: well they have good skill players so like despite some of the injuries like most of their injuries have been concentrated at quarterback and offensive line which uh not exactly an ideal way for your injuries to be distributed but it is what it is, but they they have some playmakers. I think that Scadabo, uh, the the running back, he's an FCS transfer from Sac State, has been a really tremendous player for them this year. Uh, at receiver, Elijah Badger has 650 yards and three touchdowns on the year. He's definitely their more, most explosive guy on the outside. Uh, but then Jalen Conyers at tight end is is a unique mismatch, big frame guy who can move pretty well in space and they'll even throw screens and things to him because he's a good space athlete so i actually think that like from a from a skill position standpoint this isn't a horrible group it's just that the offensive line that they're playing behind is patchwork and really really banged up uh and the quarterback position has been a revolving door with injuries this year uh with their most talented guys being unavailable for the most part
0: so what do you do you- you know, what do you see happening on that side of the ball do you, you know i i assume i mean what we've seen oregon do all year is what oregon does and oregon's defense you know as we noted in the you know the review of last week's game i mean they might have some guys out in this one right i mean you've got you got you know jackson and florence who were banged up last week Do they play do they rest this game um you know manning went out at 1 point2 i think there's some other guys that that are kind of a little um, you know, a little bagged up. And so
1: does that, do you think that factors in? Um, I'm not too worried about the quarterback position. I, I think that with Borgay at quarterback, this game is p- pretty destined to be played within a 10 yard box, which I don't think that playing the game in a 10 yard box against this Oregon defense, this front specifically with the lack of quality on the Arizona state offensive line is a good sign. Uh, but, like, I'm sure Kenny will be creative and, and we'll be, he'll keep us off balance specifically on script. And we'll see if they utilize some more of that swinging gate stuff because that neutralizes the advantage that we have at the line of scrimmage. But um, even if it's Manning and Bridges and Reed and Pleasant playing corner um, with, with possibly Florence and Jackson sitting out this game to get more healthy for some of the, the games ahead, I, I think that Oregon matches up well enough here to where it shouldn't be too big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. It, I,
0: it, it, I'm sure Kenny's going to pull out all the tricks, and I'm sure some of them will be successful. But it just it seems very difficult for me to believe
1: Arizona State's going to be able to put up a substantial amount of points on offense this game. They haven't really on anybody, right? Like the, the, this hasn't been an explosive offense all year. Um, they have some some decent explosive playmakers, and they might get a play but is is it something that you're going to be able to consistently rely upon especially again with Borgay they're very they're kind of limited there's la- there's a lack of verticality in the offense it really comes down to Scatborough making a bunch of plays breaking tackles and reading a tough runner and he is he does that and he is that um but it's one thing to do that against some of the lesser teams in the conference and it's another thing to do it against Oregon i mean we saw Utah completely sit on this offense i think they scored yeah, 355 to game. 3
0: yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, you're right. I
0: mean, they, they they're high on the season is 28 against USC, and we all know what USC's defense is. And that was also back in September when they were playing Drew Pine at quarterback, and and they had less less injuries on the offensive line back then. I mean, they, they managed 21 against Cal, 24 against
1: Colorado, and we know what quality of, of defenses Cal and Colorado has. Um, it's a it's a chore for these for for ASU to maintain possession and keep keep. Like stringing together positive plays, it's not something that's natural and easy for them.
0: Yeah, even against UCLA last week, I mean, they won the game seventeen to seven, but I mean, here was their drives: punt, interception, field goal, punt, 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 touchdown, mm-hmm. punt, mm-hmm. touchdown, downs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's uh, It's been ugly for them. And then defensively, they've been pretty fun to watch. They've actually been really aggressive. Um, I think that they have some – they have pretty decent team speed defensively, but uh, specifically the pass rush has been good for Arizona State. Uh, their top two pass rushers uh, have been uh, Prince Dorba and B.J. Green on the defensive line. Both guys have six sacks on the season. Uh, and then Clayton Smith and Oklahoma transfer off the edge uh, has three and a half sacks. And so wh- – it's not just them. The reason that they're getting home is because of a lot of aggressiveness, bringing linebackers and creating one-on-ones. But they 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 really challenge your your um, your pass pro rules and your protection calls. And so, uh, I, I fully anticipate that they're going to be they're going to blitz this at probably the highest rate that anyone's blitzed this this year. Uh, but. As we talk about that, we also have to talk about the fact that Bo has just been tremendous against the Blitz, and uh, his his average time from snap to getting the ball out is the lowest in college football. So how often are your guys the in the Blitz back Blitz going to get home? Yeah. yeah, how often is the Blitz going to get home, and then how often are you going to be putting your guys in the back half in really, really difficult one-on-one situations in the space where they have to make a tackle to save a touchdown against a Troy Franklin or a Tez Johnson or a Bucky Irving? Uh, or or any of the other guys, right? So uh, that to me is going to be the interesting like tug and pull between the the aggressiveness that is the, in the DNA of this Arizona State defense and the complete mismatch that is the Oregon playmakers against the secondary players here for Arizona State.
0: Yeah, what's interesting, you know, looking at some of their defensive statistics, and and I mean, for the most, for most of them, they're they're in the middle of the conference. The one area where they actually end up, you know, third in the conference overall, basically tie. It's a, almost a three way tie for first between Oregon, UCLA, and Arizona State is is passing yards per attempt. They're, they allow their opponents only six point three yards per attempt, um, which is which is a really low number, but you know, part of that, though, is who they've played, I think. Outside of the, I mean, they obviously outside of the Washington game, which is kind of, you know, that's the outlier where that, that's a very explosive offense who gets a, a lot of, um, a lot of you know, passing yards through the air in big chunks. But for whatever reason, that game, Arizona State did not allow that. Um, well, but outside Arizona of that, State- they
1: haven't played, you know, sorry, go ahead. Well, Arizona State does a good job of getting the make, forcing the ball hot, right? So getting like heating up the quarterback, getting the ball out quick, reducing air yards in, per target, right? So, so then
0: that's how they're keeping those that average down, and then they're making I, the tackle in space more often than not.
1: Yeah, I think they're a pretty good tackling team. I think they're well coached. They leverage the ball well, um, but again, like doing that against Utah with a well, and they really didn't do it all that well against Utah. Utah scored fifty-two on them. Um, but doing against some of the some of the lesser teams in the conference, uh, and doing it against Oregon, which is probably the best offense in the country, are different things. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean obviously they had a they had success against that against Colorado, but you know, we know what Colorado's offensive line trouble and how many times they give up pressure. So that again, like you said, is is quite a different story. There, they weren't able to successfully really do it against USC earlier in the year. They were against Washington, which you know they're. You know, if you believe what the reports out there, Washington was the entire team had the flu, and there so you know something was going on there. But um, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I mean, Arizona State did something right to hold Washington to no touchdowns. So regardless of whatever ailments were going on,
1: but yeah, yeah. I think you're right, and yeah, yeah. Again, like I, I think I think this is a fairly quality defense, especially when you consider the inputs that are going into the defense from a talent perspective. I don't think they're bad players. I think they've got some pretty solid guys specifically up front, um, but it, it's not an elite talent group and they're getting a lot out of them. And I think a lot of that is that there's a, a decent amount of young quarterbacks or, or an experienced quarterbacks on the schedule who didn't handle the pressure well. And, and I don't think that in that specific game, Penix handled the pressure specific, particularly well. I think he was inaccurate. Uh, with pressure yeah. in the face in that game, which is uncommon for Penix, but was the case there, right? So maybe that's the flu. Who knows what that is, right? Uh, but but Bo has been really good against pressure this year, uh, and we saw, I mean, Utah just completely ignored the blitz and just ran right at him, and, and and allowed and, and out-gapped them in situations where guys were trying to get penetration and just got themselves out of, out of their gap assignment and then they just gashed them in the run game so i I think that an offense as balanced as oregon's with as much with as many quality uh components that they can go to at any given time is going to be able to find ways to crease a defense that's this aggressive that relies on aggressiveness to overcome maybe some of the talent shortcomings that exist in parts of the back half of the defense
0: yeah i mean i think to your point the one quarterback that they played lately that that has kind of experience was Cam Ward. And that was at Washington State, you know, was able to put up, you know, the most amount of points against against uh, this team in, in basically all the last two months. So um and obviously I think of Oregon and, and, and that's why that's Washington State who was in a funk, right? So obviously I think what Oregon's line is doing and what Bo's doing is, is at a whole nother level, even beyond that. So I, I, yeah. What do you think about the running game? You think Oregon? You know, what's Arizona State's ability to, if any, to, to slow down or stop Oregon's run game? Or do you think? Do you think they're going to load the box? Do you think they're going to play like? How do you think they're going to approach Oregon's offense in this game? You're muted, Cubby.
1: Am I muted? Am I still muted? Okay, I double I double muted myself. My apologies. (laughs) Uh, I I think that Arizona State is going to play aggressive and try to keep Oregon behind the chains. I Kenny Dillingham is not the kind of coach that's going to play to cover. He's going to play to try to win. Um, And ultimately, I think it's going to hurt him in the long run uh, in this game. But I, I think that it might result in them being able to like get us behind the chains a couple times early kind of boomer bust kind of thing. Yeah, it's going to be very boomer bust, I think. And, and, and I think that eventually he will call that off uh, as the game goes on and, and, and Oregon starts to separate because I think that Dan will kind of go easy on him if he does uh, and, and not try to run it up on him um, out of respect. Cause I know that those two guys are real good buddies. Um, and and while they're competitive, they also have a lot of mutual respect for one another. So um I hate to sound like a homer. This is just not like Arizona state is not even close to the quality of football team that Oregon is. I know we're playing on the road in the desert, but I'm going to ignore the history of that and just look at what these two teams bring to the table. And to me, this is a game where Oregon should be able to kind of get whatever it wants. It should be able to stay balanced um, and and just frankly, just attack whatever is being given from a numbers standpoint by the defense. If if Arizona State's going to crowd the line of scrimmage and be aggressive and blitz and bring numbers, then Oregon's going to throw the ball, and that they're probably going to be explosive throwing the ball. If Arizona State tries to cast a big net and stay deep, Oregon should be patient, run the ball, throw the ball underneath, and work their way up and down the field. I I don't see anything that Arizona State does that's going to be able to really dictate to the Oregon offense what they can do because I think the Oregon offense is very flexible from a personnel standpoint, um, and, and it has such a multitude of ways that it can win. Um, so I I, th- I think that uh, this is going to be a game where Oregon's able to move the ball up and down the field. I think Oregon's going to be able to find stops, and I think ultimately Oregon's going to end up covering this game by the 23 and a half. Yeah, and I, like, I don't think we have to, like,
0: apologize for not sounding like homers because i mean the reality is is the the team that we're talking about and the team that we cover is one of the best well according to the playoff committee one of the best six teams in the country so i mean the reality is that most of these games we're going to talk out are going to be pretty big mismatches and and that's you know it's just the way it is right if you know we're talking about uh you know when we play oregon state you know in a week or, or potentially washington the week after that then obviously those are those are more competitive matchups that, you know, are, you know, are going to have more nuanced analysis potentially around them. Uh, I, I think you're right, though, uh, in, in everything you just said. And, you know, when I look at this game, I just – I mean, Oregon's offense. I don't know how Arizona State stops Oregon's offense. I mean, I think, you know, some things there, some things, you know, like you said, they might, they might have some successes here and there, but to the point where they can – we know – they need to have a lot of success to keep the score low enough and to enable their offense to score enough to win this game. And I just don't see any way how that's outside of Oregon's own, you know, meltdowns, but we keep saying that, but that's like, that's true of any game, right? I don't think we have to make that. And I just did it, but I don't think we necessarily have to sit here and saying, well, if Oregon doesn't shoot itself on the foot, well, that's kind of the caveat that's applied to every game just by assumption. Um, so,
1: I I think think it's going to be really hard uh, for Oregon
0: not to have a final score that ends with a four or that starts with a four. It starts with a four. I I totally agree. And and my score prediction actually does start with a four, but going back to something you said about like what happened in the desert in the past and all that stuff. Like, you know, I know there's history and I know duck fans and fan bases are superstitious and all that stuff. I don't, my, here's my thought. Okay. Dan Lanning has now coached 23 games at Oregon. And you could outside of Georgia, you could, which is the only game you could make this argument for Oregon has not showed up for any one of those other games. And I don't, I wouldn't even make this argument for Georgia, but I'd I'd entertain it if somebody else did. Oregon has not showed up for any of those 23 games or 22 games flat or unprepared. They just haven't, they they've not yet done that. And so, I think when you have all these, you know, fears about, oh, you know, we, you know, we went to Washington state in 2018, the week after we beat Washington and we got down 28 zip at the beginning of the game because we didn't show up to play. And the next week we went down to the desert because we didn't show up to play. And in 2019, we went to Arizona state and we got blitzed from the start of the game because we didn't show up to play. Like that's not that team. We're not, this isn't that program. This isn't that coaching staff. These aren't those players like until we, we got to just put that behind us, you know, if that pattern starts <laughs> happening again out of the blue with this program and this coaching staff and this team, then we could start talking about it again. But until that happens, it, which I don't think it will, like, I, it just, it's just like, it's, it's, it's old news. It's like past, it's like talking about, you know, something that happened and that, 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 with a bunch of different people that aren't even involved in what you're happening about now that to happen to wear the same color shirt.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and all we've seen from Dan Lanning teams against overmatched opponents is they show up and they put them away. Like we, we really haven't seen, we really haven't seen um, anything to suggest that, that that's not what this team's going to do.
0: I mean, I mean, even the Washington State game at Washington State last year, like that, it wasn't a case of not being ready or not being prepared or, or starting slow. Oregon marched up and down the field from the first possession of the game. Like, you know, their problem was not, you know, readiness. So, you know, there was other problems in that game, but you know, we haven't seen them just show up and and start, you know, flat and and be unprepared and and not ready to play in. So I, we just gotta quit fearing. We gotta quit fearing the stuff. Like, come on, come on, Duck fans, put that behind you. Be, be positive. Be optimistic. Be hopeful. Thanks for the pep pep talk, Doug. <laughs> need that. Sorry, it's pet peeve of mine. I know. I should. Doug's really just talking to me. i How they want I'll, a fan. I'll take it personally. Um, let's get to some predictions on this one. I I like what you said earlier, QB, about how that. Arizona State will find some some things that work on both sides of the ball um, intermittently, right? Whether that's defensively through some of the stuff they're going to try to do to to mix us up or and get us behind the chains, or offense, you know, or on offense through some of their exotic um, things they're going to throw at us. But at the end of the day, that that only that only is going to be so effective on a, on a down by down basis. It's not going to be consistently effective uh, throughout the game, and it's going to have limited impact. And so, I, I just, like you said, I I don't think they can keep Oregon under forty. I've got Oregon at forty-two, um, and I think, I think on the other side of the ball, I got I got Arizona State at thirteen. I think they'll 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 manufacture a touchdown somewhere. They will get a couple of field goals, to, you know. They get a big, they'll get a big play and get down inside the red zone and kick a field goal a couple of times. So I've got forty-two to thirteen, and I think you're right. I think we get to we get to late third, early fourth, and both teams just kind of go into like,
1: let's cordially, you know, run the clock out on this game mode. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think. I had them at seventeen. Um, I'm probably giving more respect to their offense than it deserves by saying they scored two touchdowns in this game, but I'm also factoring for two starting corners being unavailable.
0: Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, the line is twenty three and a half. So at forty two to seventeen, does that still cover that? That's twenty five. so it does still cover. So I guess yep. you and I are both taking them to cover.
1: indeed, yeah, definitely definitely a cover here. I, I just don't see. Like I said, I, just, I don't think they have the horses to, to keep it close over the longer term of this game. I think that they'll come out um, and they'll play good competitive football to start, uh, but they'll be overwhelmed over time. Are you going to be there? Um, I'm going to try to be there. I have some work obligations on Saturday, so um, assuming I can get that taken care of in the early part of the morning, I will. Uh, I'll be at the game. Excellent. I will. Uh, I'll look for you in the crowd. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Uh, all right.
0: right, let's. And then Justin also is picking Oregon to cover on this one. Let's move on. Uh, Washington, big game of the week. It's interesting, QB, because it's week 12, as we know. Week 12 in the national landscape of college football is one of the worst weeks of the football season. There's a lot of FCS versus Power 5 games, a lot of bad games. So in general, there's not a lot of great games on the schedule. But interestingly enough, the Pac-12 slate is a banger slate of games. Like I, I was putting this list together, and I'm like, Oh, that's a good game, too. Oh, that looks like a good game, too. Oh, that one, too. <laughs> I, I literally went to every, like, you know, we'll get to them all. But I, it was kind of surprising because it's the opposite of the rest of the country. But let's talk about this one. It's probably the biggest, it is the biggest game in the country this week. Washington goes on the road to Corvallis, the last home game of the Pac-12 era in Research Stadium for the Beavers. And obviously with the, with them still being in, in the new Pac-2 or whatever it's going to be, that has extra meaning uh, for them hosting their last current Pac-12 conference game against a Washington team. There's so much on the line in this game, you know, really for both of these schools. Obviously, Washington is trying to keep their their Heisman campaign, their playoff campaign, and their unbeaten campaign alive. And Oregon State still has uh, Pac-12 title game scenarios if they can win this one. So, And then, obviously, you have all the extra emotion and, and all of that stuff I just talked about. So Oregon State interestingly enough opened as like a two and a half point underdog in this one and then the line shifted and continued to shift and when i wrote up these numbers yesterday the line is two and a half now in favor of the beavers at home over undefeated and number five washington so how do you see this game playing out and and who do you like
1: um so this was a tough one for me because i actually see this game playing out a couple of different ways uh because i think that there's definitely there's like very definitive strength on weakness on both sides of for both offenses against both defenses. Um, the, the Oregon State secondary is a bit of a liability in my opinion. Um, maybe the weather can impact the Washington uh, passing game and make that more of an equalizer. Uh, and then I think that the Oregon State offensive line and running game against the Washington front seven is another mismatch. And so with, with those two things in mind, like I think that who comes out and starts faster in this game and can control the game early this is going to be really important because if Washington's able to come out and score a touchdown, get a stop and score a touchdown. It then becomes a lot more difficult with Oregon state needing to chase points to, to stay patient in the run game, uh, and try to go score for score for Washington, which on, on the other side of the ball, if Oregon state can come out, go touchdown, stop touchdown and get that lead, or it's going to be a lot easier for Oregon state to just play ball control, sit on the ball, shorten the game, um, and, and, and find a way to win. And so, uh, i'm I'm going with the Beeves because it's at home, and I think that Corvallis, they they play a lot different in Corvallis than they do away from Corvallis right now. Uh, and and I really trust that run game, and I, I don't think very highly of the Washington front seven. Um, and And I think that DJ gives just enough in that despite this group really just being a bunch of short, quick receivers, um, they'll get enough in the play action game from DJ. Using DJ's legs as another runner to to, to eliminate another box defender, uh, I think that Jonathan Smith's going to pull out all the stops here. Uh, it's the last home game, last Pac-12 home game. It's senior night. I think this one matters a lot to them, and I think they're going to give they're going to shoot every shot against this Washington defense. So uh, I'm, I'm going to take I'm going to take Oregon State, but really an outcome of a win on either side of this game would not surprise me in the least bit.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I do think, I mean, every game Washington has played in the last six has gone down to one possession. So I don't see any difference here. Uh, This will be, this will be a late, you know, late possession, last possession type of game as well. I, I, It's all like everything you said about Oregon State is I totally agree with they have been you know their home road splits are insane when you look at just the the way they play regardless of opponent right the way they play at home versus the way they play on the road is is night and day difference and uh, I agree with everything you said about you know how much this game means to them Um I'm going to go the other way on this one. I think UW will do what they've done all year and find a way to pull a rabbit out of the hat and, and prevail in this one. But, again, I would not be surprised at all if the Beavers win, and I think the Beavers will give them everything they've got. And and I think there will be times where that's a lot. And, and, and I do think there are some – I definitely see pathways for Oregon State to prevail. Right, There are things that they can do that, that Washington will have a hard time with. Uh, but I think that also goes the other way, and I, I don't know. I, I probably uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm overthinking this one, but I don't know. I just think Washington Washington ends up ends up prevailing the way
1: they have in the last six weeks by the hair yeah. of their skin of their teeth. I, I just don't think that's a sustainable way to win, um, and so that's, oh, yeah. like, that's part of the reason that like I'm tipping the scale in favor of Oregon State is that I I, I think that like their ability to consistently win in that way will be tested in this game. Um, and eventually they're just not going to be able to make the plays necessary.
0: Yeah. I mean, eventually that luck will run out, it, it, whether it's this week or some, some week down the road, it, it will. All right. So I've got to Washington. I've got Washington. You got Oregon State. Uh, Justin has also gone with the Beavers to win and cover in this one. So let's move on to the next really good PAC 12 game. And another one that also has significant meaning in the PAC 12 title race, because Arizona and Utah, technically, are both still alive as well. Arizona has a much better shot. Utah really has some bizarre, like, eight-way tie- tiebreaker scenario that might allow them to get to the Pac-12 title game. But Arizona actually has the third-best pathway behind Oregon and Washington in the Pac-12 title game. They have to win, obviously. Utah has to win, obviously. So Utah goes on the road to Arizona, who's a one-point home favorite in this one. Um, how do you see this one?
1: I uh, I've gone back and forth on this game at the end of the day. I think that Arizona is the more complete team right now. And I think that I trust the Arizona offense specifically at home to score enough points to win. I think if this game was in salt Lake, I would be taking the other side of it. I also don't think the line would be this close if it was in salt Lake. So uh, I, I, I have a lot of respect for, for Kyle Whittingham and I think he's made the best of a, of a horrible situation on the injury front. Um, but I just I think that they're out of bullets and I think that Arizona is competent enough on both sides of the ball um, to take some things away um, defensively and then to create some some mismatches on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna roll with the uh, Wildcats in this game.
0: Yeah, I also have Arizona. I, I also <laughs> this is what I went back and forth on as well. And I would not be surprised at all if Utah won this. And I think the way I kind of ultimately went with the home team for a lot of the same reasons you just said. I, you know, Arizona probably has a little bit more on the on the line here. I, you know, Utah Utah has fought valiantly all year, and and, and uh, I think they'll fight they'll fight valiantly in this game too. But Arizona has. They have a real pathway to, especially at the time this game is being played, they have a real pathway to the Pac-12 title game, and I think that's going to be enough to push them over the top in this one. Um, Justin is going the other way, and he's picking Utah
1: here. I mean, I think that's like the more traditional pick. I think that's probably the safer pick. Um, But I I just think that Arizona's going to have better quarterback play in this game, and I think that Arizona's defense is actually a very good matchup against a pretty limited Utah offense currently.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, another game out down in L.A. UCLA travels to across town to the Coliseum to take on the USC Trojans in this one. Two teams that are both kind of down uh, at this point in the season, both kind of started the season strong, had high hopes, particularly obviously USC, and then both are kind of on a little bit of a, a downer trend. The Trojans are a seven-point home favorite in this one. Uh, I've got I've got USC winning and covering. Uh, I just feel like they're they're going to be able to score enough points, like they always do. And I like UCLA's offense is just such a disaster right now. I don't I don't see how they can keep pace. So I, I like the Trojans to win and cover.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think that UCLA. I mean, Chip is going to get fired after this game from all the reports coming out of uh, the UCLA media. So I think that I think this is the, a game where uh, the explosive offense beats the good defense, and it, it just kind of proves the theory that um, it's a lot better to have an elite offense than an elite defense.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, Justin
0: is also rolling with the Trojans in this one, um, and then we go up to the Bay Area to the game or the big game? Is it was it the game the big game? I can't keep these things straight. The game, uh, big game, just a big game. All right, Cal at Stanford. Uh, I'm sure the bands will be there. I'm sure they won't be on the field when they're not supposed to be. Cal is a a six-and-a-half-point road favorite in this one, which kind of seems a little high to me, but what do you think?
1: From a talent perspective, Cal is at least six-and-a-half points better. Um, from a quality of coaching and how these teams have actually played standpoint, I don't trust it a ton. Uh, but the one thing I'll say is that Stanford can't stop the run at all, and so it doesn't really matter that Cal's offensive line is bad. Um, so I, I lean Cal on this game. That's who I'll be taking.
0: Okay. Um, and that's what Justin has. He's picking Cal. I'm going to go with Stanford. I I think this is like a field goal game to me. Like Either way, like, I don't know who wins, but I think it's going to be in that three to four point range. And so for that reason, I'm going to take Stanford and the six and a half points.
1: You got Cardi, the kicker Cardi, Isn't who's Cardi? his name a Stanford's kicker. Why the do I care about a, Stanford's kicker? He's got an absolute boot and he's consistent. Oh,
0: well then it's, then it works with my, uh, my rationale. So I like that, it. That's why I brought it up. Thank you. I wasn't even paying attention to that. So I'm glad
1: you got my back. glad one of us watches football in this conference. Ouch! I'm Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> and um,
0: and finally, another interesting matchup: Colorado on the road up in the Palouse, taking on Washington State, who, for some reason, reason that I absolutely cannot fathom, is a four-point home favorite in this one. And I, I, I can't. I, I mean, if you're, if I'm, I'm taking Colorado, and I'm taking the four points because, uh I don't even know if Washington State's going to show up for the game.
1: Yeah, I don't trust Washington State to show up. I have to take Colorado, although I think that if, like, early season Washington State were to show up to this game miraculously, I could see Washington State blowing Colorado out. But I I just – I think that Washington State – Yeah, but that
0: team team hasn't been around
1: in a long time. I think that team is dead. I think that they've uh, been long deceased.
0: I mean, I guess – I don't know. Maybe if they're holding on to some hope to make a bowl game, they could try to win this one. I mean they've lost six in a row and they've been kind of uncompetitive in several of those games. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm going with Colorado. All right, let's move on. Going on the national front. Uh go over to the SEC first. Georgia, who looks like they have they got Brock Bowers back. Their offense is firing on all cylinders. Their defense is uh seems to be playing pretty well as well they are a 10 point road favorite going to tennessee who is probably in my opinion one of the most if not the most overrated team in the college football playoff standings i don't think they deserve to be anywhere near the 13th or 14th or whatever is they're ranked based on their resume they haven't beaten anybody the entire year uh, i got georgia rolling in this one i don't care how many points it is
1: yeah i agree with you although i don't think that tennessee's ranked anymore doug are you sure? Yeah, they got blown up by Missouri last week. And I think dropped out. Ah, I know they did. I thought they were still ranked.
0: All right. Well, I may be mistaken on that. I still think they're overrated, and I don't think ten points is nearly enough, even if it, they're at home.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think Georgia. I mean, no, no, they are ranked eighteenth in okay. the in the college well, football then, yeah, playoff they won't rankings ranked right after
0: now. this one, then because
1: uh, 10 Now they'll
0: keep them in the twenty. They'll keep them in the twenties to give Georgia and Alabama like strength of schedule points.
1: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> They'll be a four loss team, won't they? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't think Tennessee has the goods. No, I think that's been pretty clear. That's why I said
0: they're, I think they're really overrated. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's move let's stay in the SEC one more game here, which a team which I actually think does have the goods and is currently ranked number nine in the in the committee rankings. Missouri is head home after that win <laughs> over big win over Tennessee. They are an 11 and a half point home favorite hosting Florida, who has kind of some, I don't know
1: whispering about Napier napier's not i really don't think napier's getting fired maybe I'll I, eat I don't either point. i'm just
0: reporting the stuff that's out there
1: i know that their class is like they've had some attrition in their class here this last week they've been but like to be fair these are also like for, other than wardell mac these are all commitments that we kind of knew were shaky for a while um and, and and they're still they still have a hell of a class and, and that's really what's going to keep napier there so um I, I am taking florida to cover this game though i don't think they win but i, I think florida comes out and really competes in this game uh and while i think missouri is a fantastic football team and they're really well coached and they're really fun to watch they're not so talented that they just easily separate from everybody and i think that florida is going to have their back against the wall and really scrap in this one
0: yeah missouri is also not a team that scores a lot of points um and so when you have an eleven and a half point spread, you kind of got to score a lot of points, or you got to, you know, keep the other. You got to have an Iowa level defense. Uh, so I'm kind of with you on this. I think Missouri wins. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a nail biter, but I, eleven and a half maybe is just a, a point and a half too much for me. I Maybe like them winning by ten. So I'm going to go with Florida as well. Justin has Missouri in this one. He also had Georgia in the last one, by the way. All right, let's move over to the uh, ACC. We've got one game there. North Carolina travels to Clemson, who's a six-and-a-half-point home favorite here. There is some—North uh, Carolina has some some potential to make the ACC title game steal if they can win this one. Clemson really doesn't. But they have been kind of showing a little life of late. So what do you think? Clemson got enough to, to win and cover, or you like the Tar Heels? Uh, I, I'm,
1: I'm going to take— I'm going to take North Carolina. I don't trust the Clemson offense. There's so much good young talent on the Clemson defense, but that Clemson offense is just not something that I'm willing to trust to cover against a quarterback like Drake May because he's just capable of showing up and just eating somebody alive.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I'm I have I'm actually going the other way, though. I'm going Clemson, I think six and a half at home, and the, the way they've been playing, more improved of late. I kind of like that. I kind of like that number for them. Uh, I'm not saying they necessarily win the game, but I think with the points, I, I kind of like that a little bit. So I'm going to go with Clemson here. Justin is with you. He has North Carolina in this one. Fair enough. All right, we got two more. Let's go to the Big Twelve, where we've got the the battle for Kansas. Kansas State is a road favorite, seven and a half point. F- they're laying seven points as they travel to Kansas, who's still without Jalen Daniels, who did announce that he's coming back to Kansas for next season, however.
1: This is a really bad week for you to not be able to stop the ball or stop the run. Uh, give me give me Kansas State and the points. Um, Kansas State's going to run the ball all over Kansas. Uh, and I think Kansas State's just a, a – they're just kind of a better version of Kansas. They're more well-rounded. Um, and and they've actually been able to throw the ball somewhat this year, uh, which has been a nice addition. So,
0: yeah, they also still have you know uh, they still have uh, title game implications in in the Big Twelve as well. And I'm kind of with you. In fact, I I think this spread is kind of too low. I think they win this game by two touchdowns somewhere in that neighborhood, um, which really puts them squarely into the three-way mix with Oklahoma uh, and or and, and Oklahoma State for that that spot against Texas in the – assuming Texas doesn't blow it in the Big 12 title game. So I, I'm with you. Kansas State, I like them to win and, and cover fairly easily in this one. Justin's rolling the other way. He's going with the Jayhawks.
1: I think the Jayhawks are fun to watch. I think they're really well coached. But Kansas State's the more talented team. Um, and I think that Avery Johnson, the young quarterback, uh, assuming he's still – I think he's healthy – it um, gives them an added dimension as kind of a change-of-pace guy because he's just such a ridiculous athlete.
0: All right, we got one more. We're going to go to Big Ten Country. The Buckeyes are at home 27-and-a-half point favorite over our buddy in front of the show, mitts Minnesota Golden Gophers.
1: Yeah, Minnesota's not scoring in this game, so I'll take Ohio State. They're not scoring at all. gonna be shut shutout. I think they'll score less than 10 points.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I would I would agree with that because they don't have a very good offense. They don't score much in general. Um, no. and, and you think uh, Ohio State's able to score enough to cover the 27 and a half, though?
1: Yeah, I think Ohio State's offense, as it's gotten, like getting Travian Henderson back, like they're quietly not completely horrible anymore. And I think that while I don't think he is C.J. Stroud or anything even remotely resembling C.J. Stroud, I think Kyle McCord has started to play some better football here in recent weeks. That makes sense. Um, Minnesota's
0: defense was playing pretty well early in the year. I thought they had, but you know, they gave up 52 to Michigan. They gave up, thirty seven in Northwestern, thirty-one in North Carolina. In the last two weeks they've given up forty nine to Purdue and twenty seven to Illinois. So something really fell off the wheels there with with Minnesota and on their defensive side of the ball. I don't watch them close enough to know exactly what that is. Only that it seems to be is. So I'm kind of with you. It if seems they can't stop like Ohio is. State and they can't score on Ohio State, I, I think they're gonna I think Ohio State's gonna cover this one. Doug, I don't think it seems to be as is as- the proper way to say that, uh, yeah, I don't think so either. But I'm inventing, I'm inventing phrasing here. Go with no, me. I like that. Seems to be as let's, let's roll it. Yeah, seems to be is. Yeah, we're gonna roll with that. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with Ohio State. Justin also has Ohio State. Um, there was a couple weeks ago, or at least a week ago, this bizarre. It was similar to last year where there was this bizarre scenario where, depending on the results of the last couple games, that there could be like a six way tie in the Big Ten West um however that 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 doesn't seem likely to happen this year i guess if iowa loses its last two games that you know, maybe it could happen but oh how iowa looks to be <sighs> what do you think about iowa as a ranked team qb because they are ranked right now at number 16 does iowa the 16th best team in this country no
1: the big 10 west is just horrible so they like they have a good record. But the committee heard... is
0: not supposed to look at win loss. They're supposed to look at like who's the best team and all the resume and all that stuff and the metrics and the analytics. How? Why do they have Iowa at I mean, Iowa has
1: a phenomenal defense, as they always do. And Iowa also like looks like they're struggling for air on offense. Uh, like somebody who's like <laughs> drowning in a pool and doesn't know how to swim. Uh, it, it's they're they're brutal to watch um it, it's 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 ugly it's not fun um but defensively and special teams wise they're they're like very elite like it's just the truth like in um i i think right. that's why they're ranked but i i still think it's too high i think they should be in the iowa 20. arizona neutral field who wins i'd never underestimate iowa's ability to make a game hideous and find a way to win i'd probably
0: take iowa Okay, well, that the Arizona's ranked 17, and Iowa 16, so
1: maybe that does check out Iowa-Tennessee. I, I just don't I, – I think Arizona could <laughs> shut out – I or I think Iowa could shut out Arizona, and I also think that Iowa could force a turnover in enemy territory deep enough to kick a deep field goal to win. Like, yeah, and I, like I, six is up, six is up, six is up like, or something. That's the thing about Iowa is, like, it's ugly, and if you don't – if you're not familiar with their game, like, if you don't watch them year over year, it's easy to be, like, write them off and be like, wow, they just kind of suck. And like you're not wrong, they do, but they're also so good at what they the way that they play the game, and they just drag you into the murky water and they just make the whole game absolutely hideous, and then they emerge victorious on some BS at the end. It's it's just kind of what they do.
0: Well, and that's the thing about when you're playing when you play games, and we we you know we live four years of this, right? When you play ugly games that are that are, you know, one possession games, then you know anything can happen any team can win a game like that right you get into a game that goes down to the to the last possession or last two possessions of the game then it becomes much more of a coin flip than you know than it otherwise could be or should be
1: yeah 100% it's it's again it's not fun to watch i'm not proud to say that i think iowa would beat arizona but i do think iowa would beat arizona
0: yeah I I'm fascinated to watch the big 10 next year. At QB not only because Oregon's going to be in it, but, but just the, the, the ending of this divisional play and watching how particularly all of these big 10 West teams are who now have to play, instead of playing six of their, of their nine conference games against themselves are going to have to spread out and play games against not only all the existing Big Ten East teams, but all of the West Coast teams that are coming over. I'm, I'm just, I'm truly fascinated to watch how that plays out over the next couple of seasons. Cause it's, it's, you know, putting aside my fandom, like it's just an interesting dynamic that I'm, I'm looking forward to see.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I understand what you're, where you're getting at. I will say that there's several teams like, not everybody in that division is Iowa, right? Like there are teams that are uh, trying to improve uh, offensively, become more explosive. Whether it's Nebraska, whether it's Wisconsin, um, and yeah, oh yeah, I, I also think that there is a certain quality to some of those teams that like to drag you into ugly rock fights. That they're still going to find ways to drag. Uh, lesser teams like they're, they're not going to they you can't successfully drag a team like ohio state into a rock fight but if you're like a good team but not an elite team they can do it to you on any given saturday yeah no, also i suffering the a season-ending injury to cooper dejean really is a blow for them because he's probably the best player on that team uh he's, a, he's like a nickel safety slash quarter
0: all right, QB, any parting thoughts on this one before we uh, call it a night?
1: No, I mean, uh, I, I wish I had more exciting stuff to say about this matchup with Arizona State. I just don't really find it to be that compelling of a matchup. It's a game that Oregon should be able to come out and take care of business and uh, get them into garbage time and get your young guys on the field early and get some experience on the road. Um, and if it's not that way, that means that something's gone wrong, uh, and hopefully that's not the case either. So, uh Yeah, proud proud of the way this team has performed against lesser opponents so far this year. I hope that continues tomorrow. This is kind of the last lesser opponent of the season uh, because if you keep winning, you're going to keep playing better teams from here on out. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. And I I think, uh, you
1: know, to me the fun part
0: about this game, obviously you want to get the dub and all the normal stuff right there, but you know, just kind of seeing Kenny, you know, kind of seeing what what he's going to try to do out of his bag of tricks. And he, he, uh, he went on the, wilner and kazano show you know today and it was a great interview and I, I just you know i'm a fan of kenny from his time here and and i really like you know met him in person a couple of times we had him on our podcast way back when and uh you know i'll definitely be rooting for him past this game but i'm also just really a fan of like you know he he's not a coach speak guy he's he's like he's kind of like a you know, he's just not. Like, you know what? I'm going to go look up Swingy Gate and install it in in a week and and put it in our game plan because why not? Like I I like it's like I'm going to go back to a different analogy, right? Like you used to see you you know all the time. I go back to the chip days, right? You'd see all the time Oregon would be playing some FCS or G five team in the early part of the year that they're totally going to smoke. You know, and what you what would you see in the or even a, a low low end Pac twelve schools, right? And And Oregon would be scoring touchdowns like the first two, three drives of the game. And the other team would kind of make some sort of offensive breakthrough, get down, you know, inside the 30, inside the red zone. And they're down 21 zip and they'd kick a field goal. Right. Or, or you get these teams, these, these teams and they score a touchdown and you're like, well, you should, you could, you should kick a surprise onside kick and try to steal a possession. Right. Like these coaches that are actually trying to win the game. Right. Like, And that's what you said about kenny earlier right like i like coaches that aren't like i'm just gonna come here take my loss play the way i'm supposed to play and kick my field goals and lose you know and go down 21 to three instead of 21 to zero and get that quote-unquote moral victory you know instead of actually trying to convert a fourth and two and steal a touchdown and keep the drive going right and that's that's what kenny is doing and that's what i love i love so much about one of the things i love so much about him he's just like I don't give an f what people are going to say if, oh i should have done that i should have done this like i'm going to try to do whatever i can to, to win a game i love
1: that yeah i agree and sometimes it's going to blow up in your face when you have an inconsistent and not very talented football team as it did on the road against washington right like on that fourth down um but you yeah. just you got to keep playing because it also doesn't just like you don't win games by just kicking field goals either because They missed several in that game too
0: (laughs) well if he and if he rolls in and and he said that he's like why why did he go for the field goal well because my field goal i don't like i don't have my line got the field goal blocked early in the game because i don't have a guy who can block on the field goal unit right i mean so it's not like it was a sure thing that the field goal was going to be made but you know it's like uh you know it it, it's it's not it's like what's his alternative is he going to line up and try to play oregon straight up like that's not going to work like, yeah, at least like, try something unique. That's how right? you
1: really get buried, right? Like, so I agree. Yeah.
0: Anyway, I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that and seeing just seeing what he does and, and seeing it work, how Oregon handles it, right? Because that's the ultimate one to see too is that Oregon's ready and prepared for the bag of tricks and has a plan to stop it, too. So, all right, I think we've said enough on that. That's QB11. Follow him on Twitter at QB11SD. He's one of the best followers out there. You definitely want to, want to. want to follow all of his fun tweeting throughout the day and throughout the week you can follow me too at douglas ts on twitter and of course our show needs some love we don't have a thousand followers yet on our show qb how is that possible
1: i don't know probably because we don't tweet enough from the account
0: we probably need to do that more so at qb11show on twitter give us a follow we'll tweet more from there if you do and maybe that's where we'll, we'll we'll answer questions from in the future so uh, do that we're gonna we're gonna start bumping up the content out there and then of course like us and subscribe on Spotify iTunes and everywhere else. Thank you everyone. good night.